You're listening to the Onside Podcast, the podcast for innovation-driven entrepreneurship here in Atlantic Canada. I'm your host, Alex McCann, and this is Season 2, Episode 9, and the theme this month is Women and Innovation and Entrepreneurship, a Balancing Act. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Rafaela Andrade, co-founder and CEO of Myomar Molecular. She moved to Canada from Brazil in 2009 to start her graduate studies in cancer research, where she was awarded prestigious scholarships and prizes for research and innovation. She's been working with molecular biology techniques, managing projects, and developing innovative techniques to improve research outcomes and collaborations for over a decade. Rafaela's vision is to translate scientific discovery into public health. She's looking to bridge the gap between patients and science and to create collaborations between governments, industry, and academia. She's now a mother of three, passionate about health and fitness, and is dedicated to growing the company and improving people's quality of life. Rafaela, I am so pleased to welcome you to the Onside Podcast. Hi, thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're here. And, you know, we like to talk about innovation-driven entrepreneurship, you know, and things that are happening here in Nova Scotia. And you have a really interesting story and journey. And our theme this month is about women and innovation and entrepreneurship and kind of that balancing act of trying to manage it all when you want to do amazing things that hopefully will have an impact in the world. And um, I don't know if, if many people know that you're from Brazil, but I thought maybe you could give us a little bit of background about yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up here in Halifax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so I'm originally from Brazil and I came to Canada in 2009. I was actually a student, undergrad student, because I have been a student for so many years of my life. <laughs> But at the time I came, I was an undergrad student and I want to learn English better because mm -hmm. I, I spoke very poor English. Oh, wow. And uh, I always want to be like a scientist and do my PhD. So coming to an English spoken country will be a very ideal for me. Mm -hmm. So I came um, in 2009 and I was an exchange student at St. Mary's University and I did the final year of my undergrad there. Hmm. And applied to grad school at Dow, okay. and um, I was accepted to the program and started. So when I first came, it was interesting because I didn't know anyone in the city. And there was a huge a change between Brazil and here. Mm. I was just 23 years old, right? Mm. So uh, and never left my house. I was very close to my family still and very close to my family. So it was like a big step moving away from them and mm -hmm. uh, coming to a different country with a different language, different mm -hmm. food, different weather. Mm -hmm. Definitely Everything different, different weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really happy to come to a city that was close to the ocean because I grew up by the ocean. And the same ocean as well, Atlantic mm -hmm. Ocean. So when I first came, I met my roommate. And it was funny because she tells everyone that she met me on the streets. <laughs> but, but it was pretty much like that because we rented a room when I first came. And then and the house ended up being really bad for me to stay. Okay. So the first day I arrived, uh, oh. the house was empty. They were not prepared to receive us. And I, I was so scared like to be there by myself. And it was just just two people in the house. Uh -huh. And then the next day I went to, you know, and tried to find someone that I could stay in that I felt more safe. Okay. So then I found my roommate, Sarah, and uh, we are still best friends to this day. 
But it was funny because she has a lot of stories uh, to tell about how I mess up my English so much when I first get <laughs> <laughs> a lot of funny stories with uh, soap and soup. Oh. I always mess, mess it up, mess it up. Eh, soap and it's soup. It's close, it's close. <laughs> I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. But then I started doing my PhD just after I arrived in 2010. What did you do your PhD in? I did my PhD in biochemistry mm -hmm. um, at Dow. Uh, and I was studying breast cancer at mm -hmm, the time. Mm -hmm. And my PhD supervisor was very supportive of engaging with community. So we gave a lot of talks to women that were going through breast cancer, mm -hmm. survivors, and people also that lost uh, someone. And uh, when I like hear about new research and mm -hmm. what's the hope for the future, treatments mm -hmm. and uh, support that the community could give to people that were going through the disease. Mm. So I was very like intimate with knowing people that were going through the disease, not just studying the disease. Mm -hmm. And then I became really uh, interested in translational research, where I could use my research to help people in the community translate into something that mm -hmm. could be, could help and support people mm -hmm. around me. Mm -hmm. And then just after I finished my PhD I started becoming more and more trying to find a way to translate my research into, mm -hmm. into society. And uh, the last year of my PhD, I had my first child, mm. um, and that taught me a lot mm -hmm. about resilience mm -hmm. and then stick with your goals mm -hmm. and uh, decided if I want to pursue my career or not and mm -hmm. stay at home as well. So it was, it was a moment that I had to decide. And it was a very challenging year because... I had my daughter at the, the last year of my PhD, so oh, I was okay. writing my thesis at the time. Okay. And it was kind of a battle to take time off from the PhD to focus on, mm -hmm. on my baby. Mm -hmm. So. And how long had you been working on your PhD? Uh, for four years, four okay. and a half years. Yeah, so it's a lot of work and then yeah. you get to the end. And yeah. Like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I said, well, I'm going to finish, but I need some time off like to mm -hmm. deal with <laughs> like mm -hmm. a, a little baby. And I, I want to breastfeed as well, her. And, and it was like something that I always want to do. So it was a struggle for me to breastfeed her in the beginning. So I said, well, if I go through this, I will breastfeed for six months mm -hmm. uh, exclusively. And then, but I had to go back to the university when she was five months old. Oh, yeah. And then now I had to bounce like both yeah. my jobs. So did so did uh, Dal or your they gave you some time off to be able to uh, to leave, have baby, get get yourself kind of yeah. say, back together after you have kids. I don't know if you're ever back together, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, gave gave so they gave a little bit of flexibility to to do that. Yeah, so I had to kind of fight to be out of school for a little while because I had a scholarship and the scholarship needed to finish at certain date. But because I had a, the baby, would have to go mm. and extend the, the scholarship. Mm -hmm. So we had to kind of go around a little bit the system to allow me to take a, a, some, a couple uh, months off. Interesting. Interesting. But then I, I got a couple months off. And then when I returned to the university, I found someone that was close to the university to watch um, my daughter. Mm -hmm. And then I would go to the lab, I would write, <laughs> and then go back to uh, my friend's house, mm -hmm. breastfeed, go back to the lab. And it would be like mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. these things for like uh, three or four, 
three months uh, at oh, least. Yeah, wow. that sounds hectic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lab baby, lab, lab baby. baby. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And was your friend that was also was there someone that was your other friend also working in a lab as well, or just uh, no? She she didn't have like a, a full time job, so she was home, and then she could like help me with the baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My husband also had like a full time job, and we didn't have any family here, mm-hmm. so we rely a lot on friends. Right. Yeah. And then when we passed through that phase, I said, well, I bounce all these things to, right now. I can do everything. Like mm-hmm. I, I can probably do my career. Like mm-hmm. I survived to mm-hmm. writing my thesis and breastfeeding a baby. I can I can focus <laughs> on my career. I, I thought, well, that was like a good experience where I learned a lot mm-hmm. how to do multiple things at the same time. And then I became, my husband says I'm a professional multitasker because uh-huh. I can do so much at one time, right? So, yeah. And I think being a mother developed that side, I think, mm-hmm. for me. You yeah. kind of became like an octopus where yeah. you have like one hand is at the lab, one hand is with the baby, one hand is uh, writing studying, the thesis, yeah. <laughs> studying, you know, doing, doing, I'll call it, doing all of the things all of the time. Yeah. And you kind of train your brain to mm-hmm. be able like, to multitask and mm-hmm. do different things that mm-hmm. are completely different from each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you had w- one kid and uh, you decided you, you finished your, your PhD. Thank goodness. Got that kind of out of the way. And then after you finished your PhD, did you continue down the research path? Did you stay with Dal and continue down kind of the research? And was that also with cancer research? So I had the opportunity to leave Halifax to go to another university when I finished my PhD. Mm. But I had a small baby and I didn't want to start over in another city. And I had a village of friends here that could help and support Mm. us. So I decided to stay and I changed labs and I also completely changed my research too. Oh, interesting. So I was studying breast cancer during my PhD and I switched to muscle diseases for my postdoc fellowship. Mm -hmm. And Right after my PhD, I started a postdoc fellowship. Oh, wow. And uh, what, uh, maybe we talked about this before, what made you do this switch? Like, how did you decide to, I mean, obviously, you know, breast cancer research and working with the community, it's very engaging. And, you know, there's a lot of people who really need uh, work done in that area. So it's a huge field. What made you try to think about doing something a little different? So first, I... I want to like change a little bit my main focus on the research. I want to like change the subject, mm-hmm. change a little bit my subject to another field to learn more about other fields as well. Mm-hmm. But also in my personal life, uh, being pregnant, I gained a lot of weight mm-hmm. during my pregnancy. So I gained over 60 pounds uh, in my pregnancy and I became really aware of like fitness and wellness and eat better, healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then... I became really interested into fitness and wellness and um, and then study muscle kind of falls under that too, mm-hmm. so to have like a healthy body, uh, you need like healthy muscles, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I start uh, the journey into study muscle and I went to a lab that was focused on mobility and then molecular science mm-hmm. and I had a lot of the molecular science mm-hmm. and then I started learning more about mobility and muscle system, neurosystem in this new lab. So when I started studying that, I didn't know how that could be commercialized at all, mm-hmm. but I just like continued doing my research and uh, think about uh, next steps of my career. But just after I finished, I started my postdoc fellowship, I, I got pregnant and I had another baby. Okay. 
Baby number two. The baby number two <laughs> came along. Uh, and then at that time, I also gained um, more weight and and I became really uh, interested in doing more things to be healthy. And also for the mental break as well. Mm-hmm. Like if, mm-hmm. you are, if you're more fit, mm-hmm. if you do things uh, to strengthen your muscle system as well, it strengthens your mental mm-hmm. health as well. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to run my first half marathon. Oh, wow. At, in that year. Okay. I had like a, and this is after you had your the second, second baby. baby. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I ran uh, the half marathon. I lost all the weight. Okay. And then again, went back to the lab to continue okay. my, my research. Okay. And I was chaos because now I had uh, two children, mm-hmm. two children under two. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you definitely need uh, to be in shape. And you need to be in shape and the octopus so that exactly. you can <laughs> yeah. manage the kids' lab and all that kind of thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then we thought, well, I, I started looking more into muscle and then became really interested into muscle. And we, we studied a disease, uh, muscle atrophy and also muscle dystrophy at the lab. Mm-hmm. And I was always thinking in the back of my mind, how can I do something and mm-hmm. translate this research into society? Mm-hmm. And then when I decided to kind of, well, now I'm going to pursue my, my career. I'm going to uh, do this. And... Um, focus on study and uh, publishing papers and everything. Mm-hmm. Then I got pregnant again. For oh, the third wow. Time. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. You're um, three, three times lucky. Exactly. Three times lucky. <laughs> three times lucky. Yeah. My husband was a little bit shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was pleasant, pleasant surprise, yeah. pleasant surprise, pleasant surprise. Uh, and, and all this time when, you know, you're, so you're now, you're now you're getting to baby number three and you've kind of changed directions with your professional career going from cancer to muscle research and you have the kids what what, was your family in brazil kind of aware of what was going on or like how yeah i always say like i was just able to do all this because my mother my parents actually always flew from brazil here to support me so Mm. in each of the pregnancies they came for at least three months and they support me all through that Mm -hmm. and they are like my biggest support team because Mm -hmm. they always say well whatever you need we're going to support you in everything you decide Mm -hmm. if you want to stay at home we're going to support with that Mm -hmm. if you want to have a career we'll support as much as we can anything with the kids Mm -hmm. and they have been doing that since since the kids were born they're always here for the summer when i need to do big trips they come they uh stay here mm-hmm. and help with the children. Mm-hmm. I just recently went to San Diego for a conference. So they flew all the way here to stay with the kids for a week. Wow. So they are like my support team. And my mother is very is a huge example in my life too. So she raised me to have a career because mm-hmm. she was very much into working and she was a businesswoman too. Okay. okay. Her father actually built a business from ground zero to something very successful. Oh, wow. And, and this was in Brazil. In Brazil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my mother continued that too. So she always supports women in a sense they could have a career and right. if they want to have a family as well. And she did both. She had just two children. So I had three. Yeah. <laughs> so she, but she was said, if you want to continue your career, I will support you with the children and help yeah. any way I can. Well, it's interesting because I think, um, a lot of progress has been made for women in uh, research and science and becoming an entrepreneur, a business person, but it does take a village, a family, et cetera, to allow you to have some of that flexibility. Just even thinking about my own experience of just trying to go on a trip, 
uh, when you have a, a small baby, there are many, many considerations that if, if you don't have a small baby that you, you don't have to think about kind of all the logistics and it can be very um, overwhelming uh, just kind of while well, you're tired because yes. <laughs> your, yeah. your children don't let you sleep and, uh, you know, uh, you, you have a big trip to San Francisco or some other places uh, and just trying to sort of organize that so that you can even show up. There's a lot of things happening kind of behind the scenes yeah. that a lot of people don't know or talk yeah. about. Yeah. And the, the week after my trip to San Diego and San Francisco too, because I went to both, I went to Newfoundland for CDL, oh, okay. Creative Destruction Lab mm -hmm. session was in, in Newfoundland. And it was the first time I flew out and had the children home mm. with my husband. And I had like all these routine ready. I had clothes <laughs> for the day one, for day two, for day three. <laughs> So he could be, he would know uh, which clothes he would use for the children. Uh -huh. And then I had the, like, what they are going to eat in each one of the days and uh, what's the activity he needs to take them to. Because uh -huh. uh -huh. that always falls into the mother, right? Uh -huh. So yeah, I'm all the time driving the kids around for so many activities and things. So yeah, so it has to be really well planned. Mm -hmm. So everything in my life is really, really well planned. Yeah. If not... I cannot roll, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I think like having a very good routine helps mm -hmm. me a lot with having multiple jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and and you said your you said your mother was also was she a, a business person as well? She worked for your grandfather's company and yeah, and so she was kind of your your role model of kind of how to do things or that it was even possible or yeah. So my grandfather has a very interesting story because he he came out of poverty and then started a business from ground zero selling pots and pans from house to house and then he would go to house to house and mm -hmm. sell those pots and pans and then he saved some money went and bought more pots and pans mm -hmm. and then started mm -hmm. slowly his business career to the point that when he died he had early stage alzheimer's and he oh. died when he was 56 which oh, is wow. very young yeah but when he died, he owned more than 10 stores and oh, he wow. had like a furniture business that was very well known in the city. Everybody mm -hmm. knew him as a very successful businessman. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have any education. He had no education at all because he, he went to school just for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. He knew how to write his names and do some basic math, but that was it. Interesting. And he also thought that like the way he, he taught my mother was that if you work hard, you're going to accomplish things. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. maybe like in the past, that was like the complete the truth. Uh, you needed to work really hard to accomplish things. And today, change a little bit. You also need to have an education. You mm -hmm. need to have uh, uh, like a broad knowledge of different things. And um, that's important too. Yeah. And my mother never had the opportunity to study. So she finished high school, but there was it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't influence her to continue into uh, studying mm -hmm. because he thought it was hard work was the most important thing. Interesting. So she started working with him when she was 13 years old. Oh, wow. And she was the one that he trusted the key for mm -hmm. the stores and she opened the stores really early in mm -hmm. the morning uh, and she was like this uh, business person. So growing up, we had people 
are helping in the house mm-hmm. too, so she'd be able to work. Mm-hmm. And then she she's a very successful businesswoman too, uh, in a completely different business than mine. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's actually really interesting. Thank you so much, first of all, for telling me this story about your grandfather and how he started a very a very small kind of business and grew it and grew. It. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing actually to yeah. end up with all of these stores and and to have a business that is successful and, and you know can pass on to the next generation like i think we know that like more than 50% of all small businesses just you know end in disaster yeah. like, <laughs> within the first year or two so that's quite an accomplishment and uh you know to have your mom come on and get some additional uh, basically uh on the job training to operate and manage as a woman all of these businesses is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say what you're doing and kind of what your your mother, your grandfather were doing is a little bit different. Do you guys ever talk about, you know, you're kind of on the, I'd say the innovation based or the research based or translating research, you know, super sciencey side of things compared to a brick and mortar kind of business. Do you guys ever talk about that or does your family understand kind of what you're up to? Or they're just like, we love you. you you're <laughs> far away. We'll support you. You do whatever. We don't know what you're doing. My, my mother has no idea what I do, but sorry, mom, but uh, <laughs> she doesn't know, but she's very supportive. Yeah. So the business I had was a furniture store for many years. Mm-hmm. And, and now my mom switched to another business but like when I started thinking about entrepreneurship, we always talk about how to build a business, how mm-hmm. to have the support. And my business is completely different from hers, but I get a lot of advice on to how to manage people in the sales uh, side as well, mm-hmm. how, to, how to sell your idea, how to give value to what you're selling. Uh, so I, there is like a little connection between the two worlds. Uh-huh, I like it. And then she... She also like support me a lot in through education too, because mm. she didn't have that in her life. So she just finished high school. So she always said, well, I want you to have an academic career too. So go through all these studies that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, I wasn't thinking about entrepreneurship. And mm. then when entrepreneurship clicked in my mind, I connected with everybody else that was like in my past, right? right? So my how my grandfather did it. And I always think about him that had no or very little resources to start something out of nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And then with no money at all. And mm-hmm. he built something that was massive for the size at the end of his life. So I always connect to him and I, I always have that resilience elsewhere mm-hmm. built in me. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of these stories that I learned from him, mm-hmm. like some of the other things that he had to go through, my mother had to go through too. And then I always connect to the experience that I heard from how they lived and how they built yeah. their own business. Yeah. Even though it's completely different yeah, from mine. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's interesting. In my in my family, we have this uh, motto. It's just kind of like it's not on a crest or anything, but it's like persevere and protect. So protect your family and just keep persevering. It's it's not quite the same as resilience, but it's just this like just no matter what, just kind of keep keep going. And um, I imagine for your your mother, your grandfather, or even for yourself, you, you have to have this uh, thing in you that just says like, just like, keep, keep going, even if it's yeah. tough. Yeah. And my mom always says like, if you don't have the courage to try, you never will, mm-hmm. will leave that stage of where you are. So mm-hmm. you have to have the courage to try. 
And if you fail, it's okay. You at least you tried, mm-hmm. and then you continue moving forward because you learn. But mm-hmm. if you never have the courage to do something about it, you always you spend your life thinking, "What if?" Right. Mm-hmm. So she always says that you have to try. You have to try everything you can, mm-hmm. and uh, doors you open, and mm-hmm. doors have been opening for me like since I started the business. Yeah, so it's been good. That's <laughs> great. Do you think, um, for, since our theme is uh, around women and entrepreneurship and that sort of uh, balancing act, do you think that it's been a difficult journey to become uh, an entrepreneur? And we'll, we'll, I know we'll talk about that a little bit later, but do you feel like, have you had to make additional sacrifices to, to go down this path? I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of support, so that sounds great, but uh, has it been a difficult journey? Yes, for sure. Like when I start talking about uh, translating my research into society, so the lab I was working on in my postdoc fellowship, they did basic science, but mm-hmm. they really didn't have the drive to do commercialization or uh, translational research. They just want to do basic science, mm-hmm. which is fine, but I want to do something else. Mm-hmm. So so when I start talking about like commercialization and uh moving away from academia and do translational research, I had a little bit of a resistance mm. like from the people that I was working with because they didn't know how to do that. So it was mm. like a, a different conversation completely mm-hmm. away from basic research. And then I had to kind of learn my way through because mm-hmm. I didn't have any business people around mm-hmm. uh, that could teach me entrepreneurship and biotech industry. So then it's when I started doing a lot of the programs at DAO to learn how to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and how this idea would translate into something that it would be commercializable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I also had a little bit of resistance on the side that I was a mother and a lot of people mm. um, have that as positive, but also negative if you are a scientist, because mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of, there is, things are changing right now, but there is also expectation, high expectation. And people usually think that if you have children, it's hard to meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. Right now, being a mother for 80 years almost, I think that the excuse that I learned by being a mother actually helped me mm. to, to have like a strong career path mm-hmm. that I learned through the children and learn to communicate better mm-hmm. uh, in my social skills, my soft skills are much improved mm-hmm. because I am a mother. Mm-hmm. And I think the doors that opened, a lot of that opened because I'm a mother. Nice. <laughs> so it's not that I'm a mother that I cannot do that. I right. think I can do that because I'm a mother. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. A question we love to ask our onside guests around entrepreneurship is kind of a special question, which is entrepreneurship, nurture or nature? What do you think? Um, I think it's both. For me, it's both. Okay. Because I think it's nature. I had a lot of, I told you about my family mm-hmm. story. So I think, in, and I think it was like deep in my heart mm-hmm. uh, that I needed to be an entrepreneur. And when I started the journey, I felt that click on me, mm-hmm. like, like almost like this is my path through life, right? And then clicks on you right away. I didn't think that it was ever going to happen, but when it happened, I said, yeah, this is my path. Mm-hmm. So that was like inside of me. But I also think it's nurture as well. Like mm. you need to be trained. You need to learn about what others did and then help you through the journey too. So I, I think it's a bit of both. A bit yeah. of both. Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. I love it. <laughs> well, 
I just wonder if you have any advice. So if there are sciencey young women who are out there who are trying to decide, kind of, I guess, like you were, can I do both? Or can I have a family? Can I pursue research? Can I, you know, what can I do? What, what, uh, do you have any thoughts or suggestions? Yeah. Reflections. I <laughs> <laughs> so I, you always have to think where you want to go, right? Where mm -hmm. do you want to go? How much do you want to risk or how much do you want to take on? Mm. You always have to think about that. Do you want to experience a new life? Do you want to like be creative, innovative enough to accept all those changes and live with changes? Because entrepreneurship is changes, mm. right? A lot of things change all the time. Are you a person that's uh, work well with changes? Mm. And if you are, if you want to like discover this new world of creation and innovate and uh it sparkles your eyes just with an idea that you can change people's life, then I, I say, like, take the shot, right? Mm -hmm. Try, try. Jump off the cliff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't stand on the sidelines. No. Just take a leap. Jump. Just, yeah. just take a leap. Take a leap. Well, I think that is perfect advice. I think that, uh, well, I, I, it wasn't quite the same advice. My father would always say, if you don't ask, you don't get. So if you don't put yourself out there, then nothing will will change is kind of how I uh, always sort of took that piece of advice. And I tried to, I, I wouldn't say 100% live by this, but uh, I do think it's uh, important to try to put yourself out there. But you're you're right, like know what it is that you want before you just don't, don't willy nilly just jump off the side of a, a cliff. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but like, make sure it's the right cliff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then try different things too. Like um, I did try different things and then had good conversations with different people too, which helped to open my mind to what's the opportunity mm -hmm. is like, right? Mm -hmm. I actually talked to so many people about my business before we incorporate the business. Mm -hmm. And that helped a lot to see the different revenues and different opportunities and values that we could achieve uh, moving forward. And it's just about that. Like if you start talking, you'll be surprised of how many people you're going to find that are just like you. Mm -hmm. And there is a very interesting conversation that we can have too about how uh, my co-founder and I started a business too, because it was from... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to have our uh, on-site podcast guests stay in touch with us to uh, hear that next uh, episode, because we are going to talk about uh, the creation of your your company, and that one will be in our, uh, in our next episode. But for this time going around, I want to thank you for joining us with the on-site podcast. Uh, if folks want to learn more about you and your company, and uh, how, how can people people find out more about you or get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? So LinkedIn always. I'm always active on LinkedIn. Uh, the company also has a uh, website. It's myomarmolecular.ca. Hope everybody can spell that properly, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> myomar with I-Y-M-Y-O-Mar, um, molecular.ca. Okay. Well, that sounds great. We'll have everybody try to check that out. And uh, I'd really like to thank Communities, Culture, and Heritage for your support. We're so grateful for your support and helping us make this podcast. For anyone who's interested in the Onside podcast, you can uh, listen to us on all the usual stations and you can check out our website, which is onsidenow.ca. Thanks, everybody. This has been a Podstarter production. production.